I was just looking at pronunciation for a word because I'm doing another Eastern European story. So, well, I do love that neither of us butcher names on the same episode because I chose an easiest story <laughs> in terms of like pronunciation. So we're doing pretty well so far of like not having to be assholes both times. Perfect. I, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be rough. I have like throughout my whole sheet of notes, which is actually only two pages, um, <laughs> just like pronunciations after like seven different words. I love that for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I will say you have an equality shirt on and it fits very well with my story this week. Ooh. Yeah, so you dressed the part. Is it a queer story? It is a queer story. Welcome to Hysterical History, where we sit down, talk about our favorite stories, and of course, laugh. Your hosts are Whitley Trussler and Emily Gummery. All right, let's get this show started. Picture it. Hollywood. 1920. The glitz. The glam. The heartthrobs. The movies were new and exciting. The actors actresses they were beautiful and shot to fame quickly but it all wasn't phantom of the opera and greed this is going to be the story of the hollywood gay cover-up yes <laughs> so i know that intro was really awesome <laughs> Oh, no, I'm I nervous was, that like, I've set myself up for failure. That's like an award-winning so. intro. <laughs> so um, here's the deal. Um, a lot was going on in the 20s, obviously, roaring 20s, like um, stock market was up. People are making money, new and inventive ideas, like everything's going great. Um. And I'm sure we all are like, oh, Hollywood, like as people are today, like actors, actresses, like they live this very tall life. They have buku money. Like you just literally like everybody wants to be an actor, actress, because you just think that their life is so easy. Um, unfortunately, that's not the case. So actresses and actors only made it in the industry if their outward images met the demands of the studios. So this led to many LGBTQ plus actors or actresses marrying the opposite sex out of necessity. Oh, a beard. Yes, but not because they called it something different. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so um, through the roaring 20s, many um, men, many men dressed to their preferences with no fear of what others thought. So if they wanted to like be a little bit more feminine, um, if they wanted to wear like a suit, like whatever you wanted to wear, that was chef's kiss. Um, no one cared like they do now. Um, it was literally just like self-expression. That's fine. And queerness was even appreciated on stage. But once you were off stage, actors needed to step right back into their gender norms to help hide their LGBTQ plus secret. 
they would enter into sham unions or something that would come to be called lavender marriages. Ah. So these lavender marriages were actually arranged by the studios between one or more LGBTQ plus person trying to hide their orientation from the public. Lavender marriages were in place from the early 20th century to even past the gay liberation movement of the 60s. Okay, well, I love this that the studio's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna protect you. Well, I it okay. was more out of like a mutual necessity. Um, and here's why. So the marriages were how the studios quote unquote solved the moral clause um that they issued in their contract. So like they created the problem and then also like created this like negative atmosphere for this solution um specifically universal film company was the first to implement one of these clauses and it allowed the companies to stop paying actors quote if they forfeit the respect of the public oh unacceptable behavior ranged from like criminal activity to association with any conduct that was considered indecent or startling to the community so you could literally like sneeze and accidentally get your like goop on an old lady and then they could not pay you because the public hates you now that seems highly stressful but continue right so and the most surprising thing to me is that these clauses still exist today really yes <laughs> a lot of companies still have morality clauses which interesting i also thought that because morality is like in the eye of the beholder mm -hmm. so i don't really know how you could strict like somebody to a morality clause um so i find that interesting but i also feel like it has to be more specific because that's very broad. It has to be more specific because, you know, gender identity and, and sexual orientation is much more, I'm not saying it's easy. Like, listen, I, I understand that, but I feel like it's much more accepted than it was at this time. And, um, so to like, tell somebody you're not going to pay them specifically for that reason, um, I don't really think would fly in 2022. So it has, I, and I didn't look more into it and that's my fault, but like, I don't think it's as broad as it is in that sentence. Yeah. And if it is like shame like, on them. Hobby Lobby or Chick-fil-A or something, but. <laughs> Says the person that still gets Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah, I know it's, I'm, I'm an evil gay, a villain gay, but that's okay. <laughs> Because they're chicken. The gay. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about an important and early lavender marriage. So, well, a couple of them actually, but they involve the same person. So 1919, Rudolph Valentino is a sexy, silent film actor. And he marries actress Jean Acker, who was thought to be a lesbian. The New York Times 
reported that on their wedding night, Acker quickly regretted the decision and locked Valentino out of their hotel room. It wasn't long um, until they got a divorce. And I would bet my whole life's money, which is like $2 (laughs) that, um, that it just ate. Like, I don't know how any, any of these situations could be successful unless it's between two people that are mutually benefiting, um, who could be themselves like on the side or in secret. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I'll marry you. You're gay. I'm a lesbian. Like, and then we'll just see our perspective, like legitimate partners on the side. But if it's just with one person trying to hide their sexual orientation or gender identity, like, I don't know how that would work. And so it would almost have to eat you up inside. And I'm sure a lot of people like, didn't make it through, uh, the years in that kind of situation. So, um, it was only Jean thought to be well, gay in 1919. Yes. In 1919, it was only thought that Jean Acker was gay. Then we shift to 1923 Valentino goes on to marry Nacha Rambova, a a costume designer. His career was starting to take off and a lot of his roles would be described as less typically masculine. Um, So this marriage ended in 1925. So both of them, they pretty much were done within like a year or two. Um, and this led to speculations that these marriages were cover-ups for Valentino as well. And he actually, which I think is so, like, it hurts my heart. He gains the nickname of quote, pink powder puff after, um, the, after the fact that he's playing these effeminate roles. So anything that's like less masculine, anything to make him out like, like more feminine. And so he's now being called a pink powder puff. And I think that's terrible. Agreed. 100%. So as we can assume, identifying the exact number of Hollywood couples who married to hide their sexuality is hard because all the info we have is based on speculation Um, very few people actually came out between the time that this was very prevalent. And even in like the eighties and nineties, when a lot of these individuals were starting to pass away, um, like nobody wanted to talk about it and even their families. Um, and quite a few, uh, went so far as to like convince their families that they weren't gay. Like they had kids. And so it just, we don't know. No one will ever know the number, Um, but a major source of these speculations comes from a memoir memoir. I don't know why I said that funny. Um, It's called full service, my adventure in Hollywood and the secret sex lives of the stars by Scott Bowers. So Scott gives detailed accounts of straight and gay sexual encounters that he claims to have both arranged and participated in starting around 1946. So he's claiming like, oh yeah, I worked with such and such person and I helped them like be in this lavender marriage or I helped them like kind of like be gay on the sly 
or even just like I took it as potentially like he might have also been gay and like seeing some of these people but maybe I misinterpreted what the sentence said but that's just how I took it just have to read it book club yeah I think we should read it I, I, I literally good. just wrote it down I was like oh okay this book must get if you guys want to join us in a book club let us know <laughs> um but in his book, he actually claims to have been involved with leading actor Cary Grant. I have heard rumors that Cary Grant yes. was gay. Yes. And he had a roommate. So Cary Grant had a roommate named Randolph Scott for over 10 years. And at this time, Grant was cycling through marriages with women, um, which also fueled the rumors that he was gay. Now, I do just like to preface because I don't want to be like um, Mr. Bowers and um, just like go off the rails with information. So I do want to throw out like Carrie Grant's daughter, Jennifer, has said multiple times that this information is fabricated and that her father was very straight. So um Again, this is one of those situations we'll never know because Carrie died in 1986. And again, a lot of other people in Bauer's book died around that time as well without confirming or denying anything that people said or that he wrote in the book. Um, Throughout the years, many questions have come up regarding the legitimacy of Bauer's book. And also in 2017, there was a documentary made called Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood. So write that down because we're also going to do that for Documentary Sunday. Okay, yes, repeat. Your pen out. Uh, <laughs> Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood. Wonderful. So due to his assistance quote unquote because we're not sure if he really did with lavender marriages and other hollywood things uh he categorized himself as a fixer so i don't know if you've ever heard that term before but there are supposedly people who the rich and famous call to fix their problems so like did you accidentally commit a murder we'll get it cleaned up did you commit identity fraud? We'll get it cleaned up. Like the fixers. So he categorized himself as that. You think they can fix my taxes? You know, I'm I sure they I'm, probably could. I think I'm doing a poor job. I should probably call I'm you sure, my block, but you let's know, go. A lot of people that uh, we recently have talked about in terms of like tax evasion probably have a fixer. That's true. Just, just making it clear. I did not evade taxes. I am just not very good at them. And I always fear that the IRS is going to arrest me because I did them wrong on TurboTax free. Continue. And the U.S. is terrible because other countries do it for them. Anyway. Also that. So with the knowledge, air quotes, knowledge and photos, he says he has, um, he basically is like, I have tons of proof. There shouldn't be any arguments. Like all the shit I'm saying is real because I have proof. So it is what it is. We'll never know. Another lavender marriage that I wanted to talk about was between Rock Hudson and his secretary, Phyllis Gates. The two married in 1955 
and made it two years before a divorce. Um, because there were so many rumors swirling of his homosexuality and infidelity that it just like, it couldn't last. And so I feel like we're getting like, uh, you see a pattern here. The fact that these marriages are only lasting like a couple years, like maybe let's not force people into marriages. They don't want to be in just saying, um, yeah, you can force me to marry rock Hudson though. He's a cutie. Yeah, he is. (laughs) (laughs) So, but for you personally, it would be mutually beneficial. Because like, I'm a nobody and Rock Hudson is Rock Hudson, probably. No, because you're also gay? Oh. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I was saying because he's not getting anything with me. No, I'm... <laughs> it's mutually beneficial because you're both gay. And at this time, if you were an actress, you would have been also told to keep your job. You'd have to marry a man. So you would marry Rock and it would make sense because it's mutually beneficial. You probably could last longer than Phyllis did in two years. I see. (laughs) Why? Because I'm a nobody? Shut up. (laughs) I'm just laying my cards out on the table. I'm just saying. (laughs) I just, it cracks me up when something like that happens and you just completely forget like you're gay. (laughs) And go for like, go for the fact that it has to do with like oh i'm nobody like <laughs> i mean you are somebody you're somebody to me no you're that's somebody a- to the people that listen to this podcast that's a good point though i choose when me being gay is my identity or is not my identity which is fair that's how your identity should work like i i don't whatever you're Id- i mean you could be a chicken tomorrow and i'd be fine with that like whatever well, I won't be, but if I was wearing flannel and driving a Subaru and like holding a softball bat, like I'd be like, oh, I'm such a lesbian. But like That's I chose that has happened to you. I don't own a Subaru. Thank you. But I have worn a flannel and held a softball bat. Anyway, OK, back to this, <laughs> back to the important people. So uh, <laughs> true. So. Due to the rapid amounts of rumors and speculation of Hudson's affairs, tabloid journalism grew at this time. So the paparazzis. Yeah. So the, it's called the confidential and it became popular for featuring salacious celebrity news. And this is the part, listen, where it gets, you know how my stories mostly get worser and worser. It gets worser and worser here because I read that I had to read it three times to like fully just mentally accept what this information said to me. They outed Hudson and other popular figures before the term outing was even a thing. That sucks. Yes. And wow, can you imagine that happening? And there's not even like a term for it. Like, yeah, you and, just got and, like slighted, like screwed over. Like, yeah. And to these people, like writing these stories, they were just like, whatever. Like, you're, I mean, you're just a homosexual, right? You're, you're like a half person. Like, you're not important. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it just, it hurt my heart. Like, it just hurt my heart. 
um you should just like as a person you should have control over how that works like anyway agreed so even with all the publicity swirling around him um he never ever 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 touched the conversation of his sexual orientation and he ended up dying of aids in 1985 that is so sad Uh, that's that's like a whole other like can of worms you can dig into is how that that really could have been stopped and nobody cared Mm -hmm. because of the community it was happening to but that's not a story for now that's a story for for another time um definitely um but unlike typical of my stories it's gonna get a little happy after that i'm not gonna end it on a sad note i don't believe this I know it's first. (laughs) So quite a few gay actors actually chose to live openly, even with all of the risks involved. And so in 1930, William Haynes chose to not hide his relationship with his partner, Jimmy Shields, who was a former sailor. Um, And that's even though he was contracted with MGM in the 20s and the 30s. It was common knowledge that they lived together and that they were partners and that they were homosexual. Uh, even, even though it wasn't spoken about, the two were romantic. They did things together. They didn't try to hide it. And this did not even affect Haynes's popularity, popularity until years later, which is annoying to me because if it's going to, quote unquote affect you it should have affected you at the time rather than years later Mm -hmm. like f society so mgm gave him an ultimatum marry a woman or be dropped and he said fuck you i love jimmy and he left the silver screen and created a successful interior design business with jimmy love it and because of this he is often referred to as one of the of hollywood's first openly gay stars and just to round it out um around the 60s and 70s lavender marriages became less frequent due to the gay rights movement gaming gaining momentum following the stonewall riots in 1969 and that is the Hollywood gay cover-up. It's just the type of topic I love to hear about, honestly. Like, it's, <laughs> it's always just so interesting. And uh, you would well, actually the- really no, like... Go ahead. Oh, you would actually really like reading about Christine Jorgensen. Okay. Who was the first trans person known for having a sex assignment, reassignment surgery. And like, she was still pop, like, it just goes to show you, which is kind of annoying how like, it was just such a crazy thing because she got the surgery and like, was actually like, we just have this obsession with genitalia that like, Mm -hmm. because this person actually went through with the surgery, like they were well loved. They were, she was on the screen still. She like her popularity exploded after she did this and like came to the U S after her surgery, which 
I think she had maybe abroad. Um, and then she like mm-hmm. came back home and she was celebrated. So it's just, it's wild how like sometimes mm-hmm. this is obviously different than being gay. Um, but it's right. just, I don't know. You would, I was just saying that cause I think you would really enjoy reading about her. Yeah. I would definitely love to look into her. Um, she sounds like an awesome person. I think that just based on the comments that are made um like on social media posts and stuff from people that grew up in my very small like potentially homophobic (laughs) small town um I think that people are so convinced that a trans person is just is like acting that way you know what I mean? Like, um, I know, remember when, do you remember like in the, oh my gosh, what was it? Like 2012, 2013, when Target was like putting, was allowing trans individuals to use the bathroom of their choice. And I remember so many people like so concerned with, well, what about like my children that go to the bathroom, like in Target or whatever. And it's like, first of all, nobody is guarding the bathroom like for just for this specific and like you talking about her just made me think of this and it just annoys me so I'm going to use my my own podcast to talk about my opinion (laughs) as you should um but like first of all nobody's guarding the bathroom as is so like anybody at this point could just walk into a bathroom yes you it doesn't matter like if you're dressed in a dress or you have pants on like you can literally walk into whatever bathroom bathroom you want. We have designated bathrooms because we're psychopaths and we're obsessed with sexual orientation and gender identity. And some individuals in society, whether it's men or women, cannot control themselves. Um, and obviously, like situations where they, uh, we have individuals in society that can't control themselves around children. So I, I just think that it's misguided, like where, like, just educate yourself is basically what I'm trying to say. Yes. Um, people are equating the two trans and sexual predator as the same. And they are not like me. Think about me. Like, I am a gay person who uses, like, I identify as a woman, so I use, you know, the woman's restroom. Right. Like, you don't worry about me using the restroom simply because I have the same genitalia as you. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, like, trans people may not, like, you don't have to go through reassignment surgery. You don't have to do hormones. Like, it's your own journey. So, like, I don't know. It's, like, every person is different. Yeah. I don't know. We could we could probably talk about that for hours because that also is something that really bothers me. Yeah. But. I just think overall what I'd like to use my platform to say right now is please educate yourself in multiple forms of media, book, uh, internet, news, different sources. So like if your go-to is Fox News, maybe try CNN. If you're go to a CNN, 
maybe try Fox News. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it never hurts to consume media that you are not typically consuming because you might learn something. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you'll at least learn the perspective of the other side. Right. Which is just as valuable. Yeah. Even if because... it melts your brain to listen to it. Yes. Um, and just remember that all you can do is control yourself. You cannot control other people. And so if you choose to make a small change every day, then you yourself will become a better person. And that's all you can ask for. Well, damn, I should just not even tell a story. We should just end it right there. <laughs> Emily's I mean, serving always, the sage like... <laughs> wisdom today. I'm just feeling good lately. We love to And hear I it. just wish people would try to better themselves, regardless of the situation. You should never be content. You should always try to be better. Not perfect, uh, but better. Another hard-hitting quote from the Emily Gummery. <laughs> Slinging them today. Got them all. <laughs> I guess we can jump into my story where I'm going to mispronounce everything. Uh, so, As long as you end with a good quote, who cares? <laughs> I don't have any good quotes to end with. So, Listen, I just make them up as I go. Whatever, whatever comes from the heart. That's not how I work. Like, I never think of anything on the spot. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the situation is. It's just not going to happen. Well, you better be thinking about your uh, vows right now then because you can't be writing them any closer to your wedding date if that's how you feel. <laughs> we might not do vows. We'll, we'll see. Oh, We might Ooh. just say I do and then be done with it so we can get to drinking. <laughs> I've been drinking. I'm wondering. Okay, no, for real. Go ahead, tell your story. <laughs> All right. So, a couple weeks ago, I talked about Crimea, which is mm -hmm. an incident where Russia basically inserts themselves where they should not be pretty much all the time, which we are living right now. Um, I mean, so do we. Yeah, but not in quite the same aggressive manner and not to our neighboring countries. Fair. I will agree. The United States makes a lot of mistakes. And we do <laughs> think that democracy is the best thing in the world when it kind of just sucks because I don't think we truly live in a democracy. Um, Hell no, we won't go. Now we're going to start chanting. Um, <laughs> going on strike. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got plenty of time, plenty of episodes to talk about how much the United States sucks. Um, and trust us, if you're one of our non-American, like United States listeners, we will get there. Trust and believe we will get there. <laughs> yeah, if you couldn't tell, we love the U.S. of A. Um, I mean... Like, I don't want it to burn down, but I would love it for, like, me to wake up and people want to do better for themselves. Oh, I agree. Like, 
I live here. I want us to do better and I want yeah. it to be better. Like we are true team USA. Another hot take. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going <laughs> to mute myself because I want you to tell your story because I'm so excited to hear it. Okay. You you don't have to mute yourself. It's, it's going to actually be a pretty short story. Um, but I think this is also a good point in time where uh, Emily and I had talked about it could be a good idea moving forward um, to start putting kind of a disclaimer on the episode. Yeah, um, you won't, this might have to be something you cut, but I have to go check on Theodore. I'm so sorry. Okay. That damn dog. I, <laughs> I feel bad. He was just sitting up there. So nice. <laughs> he was being a good boy and I ruined it. <laughs> what I get. That's what I get for doubting him. <laughs> poor guy he's trying his best huh I'm trying my best you're like okay. putin you're you're the aggressor in theodore's case right now well i heard something up there but it must have been not theodore so <laughs> huh he's trying your best anyway disclaimer yes so I think this is a good point in time since, especially since I've been talking about some serious world events that have been happening. Um, and this is a past event that I'm going to be talking about today, but it still feeds into the current events that are happening in Eastern Europe right now. And I think the important thing, and you can feel free to chime in here too. Um, yeah. But just because our podcast is called Hysterical History, it doesn't mean we're making fun of these traumatic events that are really difficult for thousands of people. Um, you know, we just, for this podcast, want to educate people on these topics. And like the hysterical part is that, you know, we just love history. We have fun talking about history and it can be the jokes in between the stories. Um, Cause sometimes I, I think it's helpful to add levity to, to some of the serious topics we talk about, um, not to, not to like make fun of them or, or say that they should be talked about lightly. Um, but it's sometimes difficult to, to learn this history when it's so heavy. So I don't, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Um, but, um, I don't think so. I just think that, um, we're, you know, we're human. And so I'm, I'm never going to sit here and say, we're not going to make a mistake or, um, again, that we're perfect. But like Whitley said, like, we don't set out to make anyone feel like they can't listen to our podcast or that we are, um, taking situations lightly. Um, but I know for me, like I, have anxiety <laughs> and sometimes talking about certain situations like I can only get through it by telling jokes um and it's more for me because I'm uncomfortable sometimes <laughs> um but yeah like if there's any I guess just moving forward like if there's anything that you think that we missed the mark on like please don't feel like you can't tell us um we want to take feedback and and be better moving forward. Yeah, I think another hard hitter from Emily Gummery. Oh my God, stop. not a good quote. <laughs> Put me in a history book. 
see and look that was adding levity to the situation um, <laughs> so yeah this is just a conversation about history and that's what we intended to be um and we'll probably yeah. have a better like disclaimer that we'll put at the beginning of episodes moving forward but that's just a this that's us making it up <laughs> yes 100 like next like week in i will the sit moment. down and think about yeah. a real disclaimer that's like much much shorter than that but I just thought that was a good time to mention that just because mm -hmm. I am going to be talking about something that's really an issue right now for a lot of people and impacting people personally. For sure. um, so like I said, this, I'm not going to be talking about the current event that's going on, but there, it, the event that I'm going to be talking about is kind of a precursor to what we're seeing now. Um, so it, it's kind of the, a history of Putin's aggression that paved the way for these controversial dealings that are happening right now between Eastern European countries. Um, so this took place in August of 2008. So yeah. over a decade ago, uh, gross. I hate saying as that. As far as I thought you were going to go. I, <laughs> no, I'm actually, I'm not going too far back. Um, so Essentially, as we talked about with Crimea, um, there were several countries that were part of the Soviet Union. And when it broke up, you know, these countries are now independent, autonomous, and it's hard. You know, all of a sudden you're yeah. just left with wondering, how do we move forward from this? How do we set up a government? How do we, how do we recover from, you know, decades of foreign rule in For our country? Sure. So um and of course similar to to crimea there's also differing ethnic backgrounds religious backgrounds there's just a lot going on in this region and it's a very difficult all, although you would also say like it's a great time because look we're finally like liberated um from the soviet union it's it doesn't come without its own challenges yeah like a catch-22 like you want to be free but also you're like i don't know what the hell i'm doing exactly kind of like when you turn 20. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so I guess I'll first start with, I guess I am going to talk about the nineties again, nineties kid. Um, so Georgia becomes not the state, the country people, Georgia becomes a newly independent nation after the Soviet union breaks up basically gotcha and at this point in time like i mentioned it gets really difficult for some of these nations civil war erupts in georgia who shares a border with russia so it's on the southern border of russia okay. so it stems from two particular provinces in georgia who have their very own strong ethnic groups associated with them so South Ossetia in Eastern Georgia. And then here we go with the pronunciations. I'm so sorry, everybody, if I it. butcher these. I was so confident on these before I jumped on here. Abkhazia, Abkhazia. There I keep wanting to say Abkhazia because that's how it looks, but it is Abkhazia. Good job. Thanks. I really had to struggle through that one. Thanks for Adia. sticking with me, folks. Um, 
and they're on the northwest coast um, of Georgia. So Georgia butts up against the the Black Sea on the west as well. Okay. Um, So they're kind of actually close to to Crimea, interestingly enough. Has nothing to do with this story. But uh, so like I said, in the 90s, there was a lot of civil war, especially in these two provinces. Um, A ceasefire in 1994 ended the bloodiest conflicts, but tensions had still simmered basically from then until we get to this new conflict in 2008. So very long-standing tensions yeah. happening between Georgia, Ossetia, and Abkhazia. And this kind of also stems from these two groups back in the early 20th century were autonomous before they got sucked into the Soviet Union. So As one normally is. Yes, very similar history to, I mean, all these European nations kind of got sucked into this vortex of of Soviet Union. Mm. So in the late 1990s, after the conflict kind of simmered down, the, the European Union and NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, they're also starting to expand their influence in Eastern and Central Europe because why not you've got all these vulnerable countries who just broke off from the soviet union so they're now independent of russia we're just gonna slurp them all up right we're just gonna say like we want our western influence over there which makes sense after the the cold war thank you for the slurping noises appreciate it you're welcome i was gonna make sure somebody will be like ew that's disgusting i'm turning this off but i'm gonna keep it (laughs) that's okay i I love it i'm here for it (laughs) so of course, this makes Russia mad because here comes the West. And who does Putin hate the most? The West. The West. The West. Um, so now he's losing this buffer zone that he once had between Russia and the West. But now these countries just like hugging the, the borders of Russia are now like, oh, well, this seems better. See you, Putin. <laughs> and yeah, they're like, done with this and georgia starts aligning with the the toxic relationship yes another slapper from gum over here (laughs) so georgia starts slowly aligning with the west um they even joined the u.s-led coalition fighting in the iraq war in 2003 we don't need to talk about the iraq war disaster but no but i am impressed that they joined us in our nonsense who the hell knows why (laughs) um so then in 2004 so a year after we go into iraq and georgia aligns with us a pro-western president is installed in georgia and this is just yet another push to break away from the russian sphere of influence and angry oh yeah we know he loves to meddle in politics it's like his specialty what i know so basically it's this slippery slope russia sees it as oh georgia's moving towards western values these other countries are moving towards western values more and more nations are going to start following this and that's problematic for russia i wish they would just learn what peer pressure is (laughs) (laughs) no they just know what pressure is yeah how about you just listen to your peers 
So like I mentioned earlier, there's this long simmering tension between those two provinces, South Ossetia Good job. and Abkhazia. Good job. Slow but steady, everybody. Whoop, whoop. So President Saakashvili attempts to crack down on this separatism when he gets elected. He's like, okay, like we need to like, we need to fix this because this is, has been a simmering issue since the nineties. Like it's 2006, 2008, like what the hell are we doing here? Amen. So he's taking the step to like reunify Georgia, but we have Russia on the border, which touches both of these provinces. So what is Putin doing? Oh, he's trying to stir the pot. He's funneling support to both of these separatist regions who are like yeah, warring with Georgia. Of course he is. Why wouldn't he do that? So Georgia arrests four Russian military officers for suspected espionage. And Russia responds by closing Georgian businesses and deporting Georgian citizens out of Russia. Yeah. So like. I just say that because this just is like a progressive build like we saw in the Ukraine as well. So this is not just like a, this just happened all of a sudden. Exactly. Yeah. So on August 8th in 2008, there were some back and forth skirmishes, I'll call them, between Mm. uh, the Ossetian militia and the Georgian military. And... This is when President Saakashvili of Georgia orders troops to capture South Ossetia's capital. Oh. Which Putin's or Putin. Putin. Putin is pissed Putin. off. How how am I pronouncing these other words and then I forget how to say Putin? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, uh, well. Would it be so bad? <laughs> <laughs> so Russia's like, oh, well shit, we got to defend these people that we've been like funneling all this support to. They move troops to the Georgian border Mm. and they start conducting airstrikes on Georgian forces in these two separatist provinces, which might I add are still a part of Georgia. Okay. So let me make sure I'm following. Yes. So these two separatist areas are fighting with Georgia because they don't want Georgia to be Western influence. Correct. They, they just want their independence because there's such a strong pocket of ethnic identity. Each of these regions has their own ethnic group associated. Oh, with them. okay. So they wanted yeah. to just be separate from everybody. Yes. Okay. So then Russia says, what a great idea to have, to influence both and help both to help us get around a fight with Georgia because now they will help us fight Georgia without anyone knowing, but everybody knows. Yes. Okay. Then because they started a conflict basically or helped, helped a conflict they're now bombing 
yes. the same people that they helped? No, the Georgian military. So oh, okay. I thought you said Russian. That's what, see, this is why I repeated because I was confused. Yeah. Sorry, Russia. And maybe I did this say that. I don't remember. But uh, you just, might not have. I just can't hear, apparently. I'll just reiterate Russia responds to Georgia trying to take the Ossetian okay. capital. That's what you said, and I didn't, I misheard. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it is confusing. There's a lot of people at play, and, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. And of course, Putin's sticking his nose in where he doesn't really need to be doing that. He's like the modern day Pinocchio. Sorry, that just brought a very funny visual into my head. But anyways, I'm just saying like his nose gets longer and longer and longer with the more shit he gets in and in and in. You would think. But Western nations, shocker, U.S., Great Britain, NATO nations, they're like, oh, you guys need to stop, but did nothing about it. I am so surprised. I know. It's not like we're seeing the same pattern today. Like not us having a toxic trait of not helping somebody that we should be, (laughs) but always helping people or putting our nose in places we shouldn't be. We didn't say that. So anyways, Russia takes control of the Ossetian capital and brings in the big boys. So they're bringing in tanks. They're bringing in troops. They're going not only into Ossetia, they decide they're going to go into Georgia proper. Of course they are. They're technically already in Georgia, but they're going to leave the zone that's the actual conflict zone. And they're going to go ahead and go all the way to the Georgian capital and stop 30 miles outside of Tbilisi, the Georgian capital. I am also so surprised. (laughs) So like... It becomes very obvious at this point that Putin stirred the pot. He decided he was going to back these small groups as an excuse to roll on in to Georgia and basically say, no, 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 no. This isn't happening. We are powerful. You should be afraid of us. Like, you cannot join these Western nations, which should sound very familiar. Again, I'm so surprised. I've never heard this before in my entire life. (laughs) Luckily, this conflict was only five days long. But still, 850 people died. I'm sure they're still like over there messing with stuff. (laughs) But just saying I would not be surprised by that. But 850 people died over five days and around 35,000 Georgians were left homeless after the conflict. So were the 800 and what'd you say? 850 or something like that. Um, were those all Georgians? I don't know the breakdown oh, okay. of, of the deaths. I just know the, the homeless statistic for Georgia. Crazy. So and it's not a very big country either. Is it? No, it's very small. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, so Russia, like, finally backs down, you know, they've they've done what they wanted to do. They've demonstrated their military might. They've, you know, gotten in where they shouldn't be in and caused trouble. So they back off and they, just because, you know, they got to be petty about it. They formally recognize 
South Ossetia and Abkhazia as independent countries after the war. But like no other countries do that. Like everybody else recognizes them as a part of Georgia, which they legally are. And the reason I wanted to tell this story is because it should have been, it should have been a lesson we learned and prepared for, and we didn't, we didn't. And now we are in the same situation. We didn't do anything in 2008 when Putin rolled tanks into Georgia. We didn't do anything in 2014 when he marched troops into Crimea. And we're not really doing anything now when he's like got a full on war raging with Ukraine. We're not doing anything over the same shit he's been complaining about the whole time. He Mm -hmm. hasn't changed his game plan and we have not adjusted to it. And that is why I wanted to tell this story because I just find it completely frustrating that we are even in this situation because we should have seen it coming. We should have seen all the signs, the moving the troops to the border, like meddling in their politics. Like it's the same MO and we're just like sitting back like, oh my God. We can't. Here's the thing. And you can hate me if you ain't me, I guess. But how can we, I guess I have very low expectations for the fact that we let them meddle in our politics too. Mm -hmm. And people, I'm not going to say who, what, where, when, why, but people think that that's fine. People think that there's nothing wrong and, or it didn't happen or invite it and think it's wonderful and we can't I don't know how to say this like we are not great we can't even protect ourselves from people meddling in our politics people doing cyber warfare like Or even like from our own internal domestic terrorists, which they won't even call them, but that is well. And so I just don't, I don't expect much because we can't even take care of our own business. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, Like it sucks. I I definitely agree with you. Like we should have saw this coming. We should have been able to do more. We should have been able to help like Ukraine prepare or like figure out with our NATO allies, like how to prevent it. Like I, I that's how it should be, but we don't learn a damn thing from anything that has happened in history. And And that's why we consistently repeat shit over and over and over and over again, because we don't learn a damn thing. And you have to wonder too, if there would have been a stronger response to this problem in Georgia initially when it happened mm-hmm. it maybe it's not saying that we wouldn't be where we are today but maybe it would have suppressed it at least a little bit mm-hmm. but now you've given this leader confidence 
-hmm. you've given him a testing ground to see if people are going to react and if people actually care. And he has learned that we don't. Mm -hmm.